teacher friend, welcome to another episode of Simply Teach, a podcast for teachers and by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. I'm a former teacher turned classroom organization and management coach. My passion is to help teachers just like you organize, manage, just love their classrooms. Each episode is full of simple ways to engage your students, stay motivated, and keep up with best practices. Because y'all, I know teaching is hard, but I am so glad that you're here. Hey y'all, welcome to episode number 20. Just for a little update, I am moving this week, or at least I should be. In full disclosure, I am recording this a few weeks out so that I can take off about a month before we move. Well, while we move, before we move, after we move, you know, the whole shebang. But if all goes as planned, I am flying out this Thursday, October 11th to our new home in Germany. Even though I'm taking off, using air quotes, from work, you'll still see content from me. I'm excited to talk about self-care this month, and I have some blog posts, videos, and podcasts coming your way all about these topics. I will, though, for sure be on social media, especially on Instagram, because that's really my favorite place to hang out. Come find me at The Simply Organized Teacher to follow our journey as we move. Also, I've mentioned it once or twice before, but I have a personal blog, kellymichelleblog.com, and that's where I update more personal stuff about our move to Regensburg. So if you want to go follow along, you can definitely do that. Question, have you joined my Patreon page yet? If you don't know what Patreon is, it's an online platform that allows patrons, which is you, to contribute monthly to the podcast and the blog. Basically, if you believe in a podcast or a business or a blog or any kind of entrepreneurial thing like the Simply Organized Teacher and you want to support it, the website allows you to do that. If you believe in me, or at least the podcast, or the Simply Organized Teacher, and want to help support the costs that it takes to run all of those things, you can choose from one of three tiers to contribute to monthly. And depending on the tier you choose, you get additional content from me. There's a $2, $5, and $15 tier. You can head to patreon.com slash the Simply Organized Teacher, and it lists out every tier with every benefit you get. You can sign up there and start contributing. This month, the free resource guides are related to organizing student papers, which I talked about last week, and teacher self-care and routines, which I'll talk about next week. So when you subscribe, you get both of those for this month. Y'all, I'm so excited to share my conversation with Julie. This week, I'm chatting with Julie Bridges, who is a really dear friend of mine. Julie and I met seven years ago in the Teacher Fellows Program, which you've heard me talk on and on about. Julie and I were in the same cohort and went through our first year of teaching together. During our fourth year of teaching, we were both living in the same town, and I reached out to all my teacher friends in our town and asked them to do a Bible study with me. It was really one of the scariest things I've done because I barely even knew some of the girls that I invited, and I really felt like I had no business starting a Bible study. But you know how sometimes God makes you do things that you don't necessarily want to do? Anyways, Julie was one of the girls that I reached out to, and she joined our group. One of the biggest things that I'm struggling with with this move is leaving my church, my community, and these Bible study girls. For the most part, all the girls are teachers, so shout out to Caitlin for putting up with our teacher talk for the past three years, but we're all teachers, so we all get it. We come together weekly and we share things that are hard and we encourage each other. Sometimes it's about teaching stuff and sometimes it's not. This group of girls has been here with me for the past three years. They've actually been through this whole process of starting the Simply Organized Teacher, my podcast, leaving the classroom, all of it, and I'm forever grateful to you girls. Now, though, I'm on the other end, which is really fun. I'm getting to watch Julie launch her blog, which has been a dream of hers for a few years now. 
She'll tell us all about it on our podcast, but in case you're dying to check it out right now, you can find her at Schoolhouse Social on all the social medias. Julie is kind of like the writing queen to me, and we spend a lot of time talking about writing. She went through this past summer a writing class called the Central Texas Writing Project, and she's become so passionate about writing. Writing in her classroom, teaching your kids to write, writing for healing and for growth. She also walks us through some practical steps to use in writing in your classroom. And are you a fan of the Enneagram? Because we are, and we geek out about it for a few minutes at the end. I'm so excited to share with you, my friend, Julie. You're going to love her and feel so encouraged. Here we go. Hey, Julie, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Hi. (laughs) I'm excited to be chatting with you today. We go back, I guess, what, like seven years now or six? Seven. Uh, 2013. So six years. 2012. We graduated in 2013. That's true. That's true. So Julie and I, I've talked a lot um, on the podcast about teacher fellows. I've even had, I think, two teacher fellows on the podcast. And so Julie was in teacher fellows with me. We were in the same cohort going through our first year of teaching and getting our master's at the same time. So I'm excited to have you here today. Will you start out by just giving us a little introduction about yourself, who you are, what you teach, where? Awesome. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me. I was just telling you, I'm kind of nervous. This is like crazy. I've never done anything like this before. Um, But yes, thank you for having me. I am teaching second grade this year in Comal ISD. Um, It will be my first year teaching second, even though I student taught in second. This will be my seventh year teaching. And I've taught first for four years and third grade for two years. Um, And I was actually in training all day with my team. So I'm really excited to be doing second grade this year. Okay, so seven year. This will be your seventh year. Um, it's October right now, which is like what we always call Shocktober. Mm-hmm. Being, you know, like remember when we were in fellows, they gave us that graph um, that showed like how I can't remember what it looked like. I'll see if I can find it online. But basically, how October is like the dip where people are like, "Oh my gosh, what did I get myself into?" So. Talking to a new teacher or a young teacher, what encouragement do you have for them right now at this time of the year? Um, well, first of all, you know, just self-care, like getting enough sleep. Um, I realized like my, my first few years, I was just a complete workhorse. And I got to the point where I was working so many hours and up there on the weekends and up there on the evenings that um, I was so miserable that I was just being cranky towards my kids. And I realized I was a better version of my teacher self when I just let myself get enough rest um, because at the end of the day, they're not going to know that I stayed to do something for two extra hours because the work is never done. Um, they are going to remember the way I treated them. And so it wasn't worth me being cranky and overworked and like, you know, I could burst into tears at any moment because I'm just so exhausted. So I think, you know, getting rest um, even though it, it is hard and you do have to work a little bit harder during certain times. Um, but also I was just, um, you read, um, girl, wash your face, right? Yes, I did. Okay. So me and Amanda went, um, I saw your picture. Yes. We went and saw the made for more and she said this metaphor. So I'll tell you this metaphor. Um, and I just thought it was a really interesting metaphor. And she said, if you have a pebbles and you throw the pebbles in water 
um, it's going to hit a lot of surface area, but the ripples are going to be small. And so basically like your pebbles are like, you're trying to do all these different things at once, right? Like you're, you're trying to do all these little things, but if you put all your energy into the boulder, when the boulder goes in the water, not only does it make a bigger splash, but the ripple effect is more. I think as teachers, I do that in, in my personal life. Like I have all these like open browsers and I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And I'll tell myself I'm coming up to this school and my main focus is to get my guided reading together. And what do you end up doing? You're like doing a cabinet or doing something else. So I really like that metaphor, not only just for like my personal life, but like in school, like if your goal it's prioritizing, you know, because I think it's really easy to go in your room and get distracted and you're doing this and this and this. So that's actually, I think still a struggle. Um, but that is something I didn't realize as a new teacher that, um, I really need to prioritize still working on it. Cause it's so easy to get caught up in, well, this is cute. And I want to do this, but really that boulder should be like, what's best for my students and what's most important for my students. And that's going to make the bigger splash. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I love it. And it makes me, you were talking and it makes me think, I guess like, cause you know, as a first year teacher, like I would stay up at my classroom to like six, seven, sometimes eight o'clock at night and like on a weekly basis. And I'd go up on the weekends and I loved it. And I think part of that, like as a new teacher or a new teacher listening, I don't want to like squash that joy or excitement of like, mm-hmm. do what you're passionate about. Like now I spend all my time working on my blog or on the podcast and you're doing the same thing. So it's like, you're still doing that work, but it's just on things you're passionate about. But, um, I had a point I was trying to make, Oh, it was that like, you know, I would stay so late and then not get things done or not have the cutest activity when another teacher was doing a really cute activity or whatever. And I would always like take that guilt on myself. And then after a few years, I realized these kids, they don't care. Like more often than not, I'm doing all the cutesy stuff or all the extra stuff for myself. Mm-hmm. The kids don't ever. No, they just want you to show up every day and like love them. And, you know, um, that's really what they want. They, they want to be loved and they want to make you proud and they want to make your parents proud. And, um, and that's really the best thing that we can do for them. But I will say, um, we were just talking about this, me and you, about, um, you know, for new teachers. And like you said, I don't want to squash that joy either. And honestly, you do have to work harder your first year. Like, sorry, but you do. Like if you're leaving every day at like 2.30 and you're a new teacher, like I'm going to be like, okay, what's going on? Um, You do have to work and hustle a little bit harder your first year because you're trying to learn so much all at once. So maybe your first year, it is a pebble year. And on year two, you can be like, you know what? I really dropped the ball on math. Like math is my focus this year or whatever. So it's maybe that metaphor isn't even that great, but me and you were talking about how much social media has changed since we went into teaching. And, um, I know that we definitely see the side of it with like your podcast and my blog, but there weren't like teacher Instagrams when we were going into, you know, even to get our masters or, um, when we got our bachelors and I feel like even though it's great and there's such like a wide variety of ideas and stuff. I also feel it's kind of, um, like more pressure because you're almost like trying to keep up and try to keep up. And I even do that to myself. I'm like, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. But it's not possible to do everything always. Mm -hmm. So I think something that you've said to me actually was like, 
don't compare your chapter one to somebody else's chapter 10. You're a first year teacher. Like you are full of amazing ideas and energy and you have things to bring to the table, but don't beat yourself up for not being, you know, what a 10 year teacher is because, you know, they put in 10 years for that. So even with my blog, like with starting all that, um, I'm having to tell myself the same thing to not compare myself to somebody who's been doing this for six, seven years. Cause it's just not really fair, but I do think, yeah. Um, the way social media has changed. I, I wonder what it would have been like for us if during fellows, there was all this Instagram, you know what I mean? Like, well, I think we had it to an extent with Pinterest. With Pinterest. Yeah. Like Which that was, I, mean, thing? I guess. Yeah. Because I mean, think about like, I feel like we would sit at lunch with like, and be like, pull up our boards and be like, Oh, look at all these, you know, like the summer before we actually were in our classroom when we were just, that is true. but I mean, I do think because Instagram is something that like, I feel like when I go on Pinterest, I'm going on there, like in search of something specific. I'm not just, for me, it's not like a sit and scroll like Instagram. And so when I'm on Instagram and I'm just scrolling through everybody's, you know, what's going on. And then I see this cute, perfect classroom. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, I'm guilty as I have a teacher Instagram and, you know, there were times where I would like take pictures of my classroom and move things or make, you know, like you make it appear perfect. And I mean, you want it to be, I don't know. It's such a, a, such a, I'm still figuring out too. It's really messy. And I, I, you know, you want to be vulnerable, but you also want to be marketable. And, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, it's really weird that you asked me about a new teacher because I w- went to two tarts the other day to work on my blog for a few hours because it just helps me to honestly get out of the house because I get really distracted here. So I was like drinking my coffee and I had my headphones in. And we should go get coffee sometime together and we're like, we should do that. Why haven't we done that? Work in proximity and yeah, there's like yeah. awesome productive energy. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I interrupted you. Keep going. The whole time. Um, but anyway, so she, this lady came up to me and she was, she saw my planner and she was like, Oh, are you a teacher? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, is it your first year? And I was like, no, I know I look like I'm 18, but you know, I'm going into my seventh year. Well, her daughter was a student. She's going into student teacher. So then at first her daughter was kind of embarrassed. They came over and they were talking to me. And I probably talked to them for like 10, almost 15 minutes. And I told her all about the teacher fellows program. And, you know, I was just giving her advice. I was like, it's going to be a tough year, but like, if you're passionate about it, like you got to say, I don't know. It was just kind of crazy. One of those like crazy moments that you were like, what would you tell a new teacher? And then I met a new teacher, like in the flesh the other day, like randomly at a coffee shop. But yeah. Anyway, so we'll see if she becomes a fellow. Okay. You keep mentioning your blog. So tell us about that. That you've been like trying to start for a long time. And I'm so proud that it's finally out in the world. Okay. So I'm totally looking at some of the notes I did on this because I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So my blog is Schoolhouse Social. And I have always had the dream of starting a teaching blog back when they became a thing. But of course, like I was like, well, no, I'm only in my first year. I'm in my second year. I didn't feel like I had the experience and the credibility. So I pushed it off and I pushed it off. And then, you know, there's some tough things in life. So that got pushed aside even more. And so like last summer, I think I was talking about it. And I realized like I have literally been talking about this thing for like five, six years. Um, Like I'm kind of sick of myself and I want to just do it. So I was telling you too that like, 
I didn't realize I was like naively, I hired a, like knew my vision, hired somebody to design my website. Cause I wasn't about to do that by myself. <laughs> I wanted it to look really nice. And you know, I had done some research, but we went back and forth for almost a year. Cause I just wanted it to look a certain way. And she did an amazing job. Um, the lady who designed it is jumping Jack's designs. Um, she does a lot of teacher blogs, doesn't she? Yes. Yeah. She, she is amazing and, um, answered a lot of my questions that really weren't like within her title of, you know, um, what I hired her to do, but then, so she sent it to me and it's done. And I honestly hadn't done much with it. So, um, I realized even from when I wanted to start a blog to when I started emailing her, so much has changed and it's been a lot of education. Like I have to educate myself. I have to learn, um, how to design this or how to do this or how to upload this onto WordPress or like me and my sister talks back and forth. Like, do I, do I want WordPress? Do I want, um, what is it that we use? Workspace. I don't know, but I do, I want, do I want to, uh, look, I don't even know what I use. See, um, I think it's WordPress. You yeah. Use WordPress. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I bought my domain, so I've invested a bit. Um, I mean, initially things are an, an investment cause I, I'm the kind of person I want to do it right. Um, but then at the same time, a little bit of me being naive and all I really want to do is like write. Like I love writing and I just want to share my ideas and, you know, maybe put some stuff on teacher, pay teachers and network and stuff. So all this other technology stuff has really thrown me for a loop. But I, um, you know, if I would have known I had so much of a learning curve, I would have a probably never started (laughs) or B I would have started doing my research a year ago when I started emailing her. Yeah. So I feel like you are much better at like, you knew exactly what you were going into. And I was just kind of like, no, I, did not. <laughs> I just, I had to figure out like, there are so many, like when I think back to when I started this, like I can picture myself sitting like, you know, that big comfy chair in my um, living room that like I always sit in Julie's in my Bible study group. So we, she comes over to my house a lot, but, Anyways, I like they, I have so many memories of sitting in that chair at like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, like trying to get, like figure out how to even like post a blog or how to upload something or how to like format something on my website. It, it's so overwhelming and stressful. So it's yeah. probably good that you didn't do your research. Yeah. Well, and you have been so helpful to me and I really appreciate that. Um, Kelly has like shown me tutorials and you know, I probably like, overwhelm you. And oh my gosh, I watched this. I took this free webinar the other day and they were like, less than 6% of your people can even see your stuff on social media. You have to have an email list. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so depressing. So I'm like, Kelly's tell me get MailChimp. And so it's been a mega learning um, curve, but in a good way, because I've always been, I've always been like, I'm not techie. Like I'm not a technology person. And I realize it's not that I'm not techie. I'm lazy. So <laughs> it's like just learning how to do it. And, um, like I also got Google certified after listening to your podcast with your friend, Courtney, that was the other Courtney. teacher fellow. Yeah. Was talking about getting Google certified. So that was something I was like, you know, I should probably know how to do this. So I did that this summer as well. So it has definitely grown me and it's challenging me and it's a lot of fun, but yeah, it definitely at the same time, there's that fun, exciting, creative piece. And then there's the fear and the, 
little bit of anxiety and stuff. So I'll slowly figure out a balance for it. You know, it may not be what I want it to be for another two years, but anything that's, you know, worth having doesn't come easy. So I'm not, you know, expecting to be Deanna Jump in a day or anything. <laughs> so wish we could be like her. Um, Cause when you wanted to start your blog, you wanted it to be like a resource to go with the things you were creating on teachers pay teachers. Mm-hmm. Right. But now it's kind of shifted to more of like a creative outlet for you to write, but then also like sh- promote stuff that you make on teachers pay teachers too. Is that right? And, it, and it, I mean, it's a teaching blog. So everything I do will be, I think what I realized this summer when I, I took an Institute is I, there's a lot of cute fluffy stuff out there and, I love cute, fluffy stuff, especially when it's free, right? Like gift tags and stuff like that. I'm actually one of the TPT packs I'm making right now is a gift is like tags. Um, and it will probably be a freebie, but I also realized like, I want to promote research-based best practices for kids. And there's a lot of just, um, less like I'm not knocking anybody but I want to be able to say this is what I back this with this is the research behind it this is the resource if you want to read more about it so I may not attract certain uh teachers because it might be I don't know too heavy of content or whatever so I'm going to try to balance like the cutesy stuff but I don't want it to all be cutesy stuff like I want it to be good like research practice, best practice. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And that was kind of an aha I had this summer um, is there is so much that um, isn't blogged about that I know about. So um, I'm just navigating it and trying to figure it out. So we'll see. It's definitely a learning process. I'm glad I'm doing it. I'm having fun. But there's almost that point where you just like want to fast forward to when it's blooming, you know, but yeah, I get it. I mean, it's taken me, I guess I've been, this fall will be two years that my website was, is like officially live. And until like January, I was getting like 600 page views a month. Now I'm getting a lot more than that, but it took like a year and a half of blood, sweat and tears. So you'll get there. I'm definitely not even getting that. And I realized too, I don't have a lot of uh, personal Facebook or Instagram friends. (laughs) So when I go, I'm like, I have like 150 Instagram friends on my personal thing. I don't know thousands of people. So I'm really, um, relying on like word of mouth or like, I don't know, you, you, you find me on a hashtag. I don't know. (laughs) But, um, that's how yeah, so I've just given myself a little bit of grace with it. And, um, that's helped with my anxiety. So you mentioned the Institute that you went to this summer, central Texas writing project. Tell us about that. Okay. So I'll say this. There are a few things that I've done in my teaching career that I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Fellows is one of them. Like I totally credit fellows to so much of, um, you know, like my classroom management success and stuff like this. So actually during fellows, um, my first year teaching, I was horrible writing teacher. Like I didn't even honestly do it a lot of the times, which research a lot of teachers don't. Um, and I just had no idea. I was like editing the paper for them. And so they told us we took that class where you had to like focus on something that was like a weakness. So I was like, I'm going to really dive into writing. So 
I would lay on my back deck, like tanning and read books and books on writer's workshop and underlining and highlighting. And I created this binder, which was like a launching the writer's workshop binder. So my second year of teaching, I went from like never really doing it to ish doing it to doing it first thing in the morning, every day in a routine and falling completely in love with it. And after that, I guess you could say writing became like my boulder. So every year I'm like, okay, this year I want to get better at um, conferencing or this year I want to get better at this or this. And so I um, had been told last summer by an instructional coach of mine that she had this experience and our district offered a scholarship for it. And um, so I applied to the scholarship because they only offered two people, the scholarship in elementary and a secondary teacher. And just like crossed my fingers and waited to hear. And um, they had accepted me, which is, I mean, it's a grad school class. So if I was in grad school, it would be six hours worth of credit. Um, If I ever try to go back, I would get that credit. Um, So the district paid for it just like a college class, which I'm really thankful for. And basically what Central Texas Writing Project is, is it is a part of the National Writing Project. So wherever, like if you have a listener in other states, they can look up their local National Writing Project. So Central Texas Writing Project is a part of National Writing Project. And um, they're one of the biggest professional development um, things for writing in the U.S. I actually have a blog post about it that you can add to your Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't realize that it was across the whole nation. Uh huh. Yeah, across all the United States, and then in a few other um, like little islands or something. But so basically, we go for three weeks. We meet like two times before we start, and for three weeks of summer, um, we go and we wrote. I've never written so much in my life. Like I probably wrote more during Central Texas Writing Project than I had in years, and it just made me realize like, I love writing and I miss writing. Kind of like, you know, when you get away from reading for a while and then you start reading again, you're like, why haven't I been reading? I love reading. Um, There's only six of us in the Institute, which was pretty cool. Um, There was lots of different teachers, high school teachers, um, junior high teachers. I was the youngest elementary teacher um, as far as the age of the kids. So you really got to see that vertical alignment and just every it is a very casual environment. We wrote, we shared what we were writing. We had writing partnerships. I wrote a memoir. I wrote a sonnet. I wrote um, under every genre you can imagine. And we all had to teach a lesson and we all had to do research as well. So there was a lot packed into there into three weeks, but like it wasn't stressful at all. It was totally worth giving up three weeks of my summer for. And then on the last week we do a like celebration and um we invite like the dean of the college was there and um we all like presented and did kind of like what we've been doing and we came up with an anthology together so we basically published all our favorite pieces into an actual anthology like you would a class book for your kids mm-hmm. and um and there was two professors and they were amazing and we learned a lot about digital storytelling so there's a lot of technology involved it just like really pushed me as a writing teacher. And it basically anything I've ever fought for and I knew was right. I now have the research to back it. And so, um, you know, the research for national writing project shows that teachers who write are better writers 
or I'm sorry, teachers who write are better teachers of writing, which mm-hmm. makes sense, right? Like you practice what you preach. And there were many times when they would give us a prompt and I would go to start writing and I was literally just stuck, just like our kids, you mm-hmm. know, I was just yeah. writing a lot. And I know sometimes when my kids do that, I get kind of frustrated because I'm like, I don't, it's not hard. Just write it out. Like, um, and it, so it really gave me a lot of empathy for my students. And I think, um, there's a lot of cool stuff I want to implement next year, but it was, it was literally one of the best things I've ever done in my so teaching. Were they teaching you how to write? Like, were they teaching you how to write or were they teaching you how to teach kids to write? Um, Okay, kind of neither. So you go in and every morning, like, and we all had breakfast together every morning, they would do like a journal prompt. And some days you were in charge of the prompt. So we might write a video, watch a video, we might, and then we would just write. And then we would share. We talked a lot about um, the challenges. We talked a lot about culturally, culturally responsive teaching. We read a lot of books too. Like people were constantly mentioning books and we were just writing them down, writing them down. Um, everybody had to do an actual lesson they had already done in their class and take us through it. Like we were the student. So, um, I did a sentence fluency lesson that I had done with my kids and I brought like their writing samples. So then you also have to uh, present your research. So when we wrote memoirs, yes, we talked about like what makes a memoir, and then you, um, when my professor would grade it, we would do this address, bless, or press. So, you know, that's something you can do with your kids, too. I plan on taking that back. So if you read something to a partner, they can bless it, address it, or press it. Um, a lot of times we just bless it. But then my or my um, professor might address certain, like, things, um, add more here, this or that, but we wrote being adults, I would say we wrote about some really heavy stuff. Like sometimes I went in there and I wrote one day I wrote about like Zelda Fitzgerald knocking on my door and like inviting me to a party. And one day we had a theater, Oh, lots of author visits too. I forgot to say that. So people come and, um, visit. We had a, a theater teacher and she took us through writing a script in a play and we had to act it out which was so much fun. Um, and we also one day met up with the other Institute in Round Rock. Cause there's a Round Rock one as well. But anyway, so it's just tons of resources. You have to pick a, a researcher to go with your philosophy of writing and everything. There's a lot of research and theory in it. So they're not like teaching you how to write, but all you talk about is writing and all you do is writing. So essentially you're learning if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Right. Um, and there was one more thing I was going to tell you about it. It was a very encouraging environment. They really encourage us like to publish, like don't stop here. Like you needed, they need teachers who are writing and publishing. Um, I'm actually going to an event on August 18th, like by there's, and then what are you, going to? you said, you mentioned that last night. What are you going to? Um, Central Texas Writing Project like annual conference, and so there's an author that comes to speak, and then there's all these breakout sessions. By because now I'm into, like, I thought you were going to like a writing thing with a like with Christian writers. Oh, I want to do that too, but I haven't signed up for that because I don't have the money for that. Oh, what is that? Um, that's just more of a. It's like with Jen Hatmaker and I know, but what's it's it called? called? The Brave On Conference. Hmm. I haven't um, heard of it. 
Okay, sorry. That one is more for like spiritual enlightenment, you know, like my soul in check. But um, so like, for example, one of the guys that was in Central Texas Writing Project did did some amazing, he's been doing some amazing research and he presented his stuff. He is like genius. Like not, I'm not even on your level. And we told him, we were like, Zach, um, you need to apply for a Ted talk. Cause like Ted talk is coming to Texas state. I don't know if he's going to do it, but his stuff, I'm pretty sure he could be on a Ted talk for, um, and then for the rest of, hold on, I'm getting distracted. What am I missing? Let me look at my blog really fast. Uh, okay. The writing community. So, um, now, even though I'm done with it, I'm always going to be a teacher consultant and they have writing retreats and conferences and I'll always be invited back to those things. So, and we have a private Facebook group. So it's basically, we always have this writing community. Um, and it's been my goal ever since I left the Institute to continue to write every day, even if it's just a five minute journal prompt, I consider my blogging writing. So that is something. And you know, the cool thing is I was like, when I accepted the class, I was like, man, my main goal was to launch my blog this summer. Like this is really going to take away from that. It actually ended up being one of the main places I, I, my blog, one of my blog posts, we could do a creative writing piece. Um, my creative writing piece was a blog post. So they were super encouraging about the blog And I actually, the first day I launched it, published, nobody knew I had published it at the time, but I published it and shared it for the celebration in front of everybody. And it was kind of about like fear. So that was cool. Um, And like I was saying earlier, we wrote about some, oh, I personally, I know some of the others, we wrote about some heavy stuff. And um, I was actually talking to um, somebody that I know that took the Institute too. And she said she did it right after her divorce. And we just talked about like how healing the Institute was like whatever people were dealing with. And we, I mean, there was a lot of laughter, but there's a few tears, you know? Um, and I didn't always share that. Sometimes I just wrote it and kept it to myself. Um, but then I did share some of it and it was really freeing and kind of like healing. And I don't know, part of the Institute was almost like self care. And I don't know that's weird. But like next to fellows, it's one of the best things I've ever done. Teacher friends, I want to take a second to tell you about my ebook, The Simply Organized Classroom. This ebook is full of tips, tricks, ideas, and resources for you. There's seven different chapters. Here, I'll read them to you really quick. First chapter is Looking Pretty Classroom Layout and Aesthetics. Chapter two, The Simply Organized Classroom Organization Tips. Chapter three, establishing an environment, classroom management plans. Chapter four, staying sane in the classroom, establishing routines. Chapter five is taking back your time, time management techniques. Chapter six, smiles, tears, and fears, tips for first year teachers. And chapter seven is teaching isn't just in the classroom, school dynamics. So I talk about each of those things in the ebook. You can get it by heading over to the Simply Organized Teacher website. Click shop on the top menu bar and you'll see it right there. You can also use the code SIMPLYTEACH to get 10% off any purchases you make in the shop. Okay, I was going to ask from all that, what, and just your experience with teaching writing in general, because I feel like I've always, like writing has been my area of like least expertise, but what are some practical steps you could give to a teacher wanting to improve their writing this year? Um, improve their teaching? Yeah. yeah, 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 
Okay, well, I would say the first is just you have to change your attitude about it. And so many teachers, it's it's not, it's across the board. Writing is hard, right? It's not like this is the right answer. It's a very open-ended subject. That's why it's so hard for teachers. You never know what the kids are going to produce. It's completely unpredictable. So for me, the first thing was saying, hey, I'm going to have a positive attitude about this and I'm going to see where it takes me. And even if I'm not super passionate about it right now, I'm going to make my kids think that writing is the coolest thing ever in the world. And when I realized my students were falling in love with writing, like I started falling in love with it first. So if you kind of have a negative attitude about it, that would be the first step is just being like, let me put away my past experiences and really just give this a shot. Second is um, really doing the writer's workshop model. So that would be a mini lesson, not a maxi lesson, because I used to do that, Um, you know, 10 to 15 minutes where you're calling your kids writers, you know, you bring them to the carpet writers today. What we're going to be working on is, you know, putting a lead in our writing and that your kids are not talking at that time. They're not in the bathroom. They just listen to you. You model the, you might have a mentor text. You might be writing. Um, and I call them writers all the time. Just like it during reading, I call them readers to really build their identity as a writer and then really let them write. And honestly, what I do, Kelly, is I turn off my lights and I have tons of lamps in my class. And I play um, like classical music in the background. That doesn't mean they have to be quiet. They shouldn't be completely quiet at writing. Now, they might be because they're so into their writing. But they should be able to talk about their writing. I just kind of require that it's like a whisper voice. Because that's, you know, it's a very calm time. Um, then really let them write. I let my kids write for like 30 minutes. Once I let them go on for an hour, like once it's like reading stamina, they have to build their stamina for writing. They're not going to be able to write for 30 minutes, their first workshop, maybe, maybe 10. Um, so, you know, you can chart their writing stamina, just like you do their reading stamina. The, the biggest thing that changed my writer's workshop other than my attitude was the last piece, which is sharing. So them coming back to the carpet when they know that they might get to share their writing, whether you say, um, you know, writers, I'm walking around and I'm looking for somebody who's who's practicing those skills that we talked about during our mini lesson or whatever. Um, the share piece like changed everything because they all wanted to work really hard because they all wanted to be the ones to share. And sometimes I do let them all share using different like Kagan structures or whatnot. But some days I just let them sit in my chair and share oh I just love the way you did this so and then they learn to compliment each other's writing and stuff um so I would say that building your writing community the environment is really important like it cannot be a chaotic environment um the structure is really important so the first six weeks of writer's workshop I really think okay if that's the advice I have to give it's all about how you launch it if you don't launch it correctly just like everything else um it's gonna kind of fall flat so I mean, if you have to get a Lucy Calkins or buy a, a, a good, a good, because there's not some good ones out there, um, TPT pack on launching the writer's workshop. Do you um, have any ones that you could recommend that like you can send me later that I can put in there that you've bought? Yes, I really love um, Not So Wimpy, Diary of the Not So Wimpy, or is it just Not So Wimpy Teacher? I don't know. Um, she has some really great mini lessons for writer's workshop. Um. But like, I literally have an entire lesson. So say you're a first grade teacher and you don't, 
Because they really shouldn't be, like, writing in a journal until, like, second or third. Kinder and first are probably going to use lined papers, you know, with the little lines. Mm -hmm. I literally, one of them is I, like, shove all their writing papers in their folder. And I model, like, what is this? You know, and then I we sit there, we get all our writing out, and we sort it. Is this finished or is this a work in progress? That's an entire mini lesson. Mm -hmm. So just like in readers workshop or whatever you teach your structures, like writers, a lot of writers workshop in the beginning is literally teaching. These are your writing tools. This is how we're going to get them out during writing or however you want to set up your workshop. The most important thing I think is following the writers workshop module, which is mini lesson, independent writing, share mini lesson, independent writing, share. Um, and I'm trying to think anything else. Lean on those mentor texts. Like if you're, they say like men, mentor texts are like your co-teachers. I think Ruth Colum says that. The mentor teachers are like your co-teachers in your classroom. So use them that way. Um, and I'm always talking about writing during reading time too. Like reading and writing, they should be fluid with each other. But I really do think if, if teachers just give it the opportunity, they can fall more in love with writing and your kids will really surprise you. I think we put low expectations on kids for writing and then they can do a heck of a lot more than people think. They just need to be given the tools um, and consistently write every day. If you're going to be a teacher of writing, write every single day. Even if you have to chop down your workshop to 20 minutes, do it. Okay, so two questions I have listening to that. Mm-hmm. When the way I, when I was teaching, I was in a dual language program and I had 60 minutes for language arts total. So I didn't really have a writing workshop time. Mm-hmm. So it would be like, every few days or whatever, but it would always like, we were always writing a prompt I gave them, or it was always like, we're on this unit. So we're writing this when you're doing that. Are you writing? Is it free writing? Are you giving them a prompt or how structured is it? It's okay. So there's a lot of choice in writer's workshop. Um, I, some days I do let them free write, but like, so beginning of the year, typically start with personal narratives because that's easy for kids. Kids can write about themselves. So I'm going to teach them all the parts of a personal narrative and how to write a personal narrative. And I'm going to share my personal stories. I'm going to probably write about Buddy or something so that they are also getting to know me better. But I'm going to, they're going to be writing their personal narrative. But I'm not saying write about a time you were having fun in the summer. No, you write about whatever story, whatever small moment you want to. Because you have a, sometimes do we prompt write? Yes, they're going to have to prompt write when they get to the star test. So prompt writing does have value, but you don't want to do it every single day. Because mm-hmm. you're going to take away their voice of choice. Yeah. Voice is where you get the buy-in. Just like in reading, when you want your kids to love reading, you let them choose their books. So with writing, like for example, I did research. A lot of teachers hate research because it's time consuming, it's stressful, blah, blah, blah. And they say, okay, so we're all going to research the same thing. Like we're all going to research, I don't know, butterflies or whatever. Which when they're super young or maybe, maybe that's more manageable. But by the time they got to third grade, I was like, research what's, what you really, like you're going to be working on this for seven weeks. What do you really want to know? I had a little girl research the human eye and it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I know you don't like that, but like, I was like, what if she grows up to be an eye doctor or something? Like, um, I had a little girl do the Titanic and, uh, the San Francisco earthquake. A lot of kids obviously do animals because they love animals, but, um, 
the Dallas Cowboys, um, all these different names. So I think choice is really important. There is a place for prompt writing. There is a place for free write, but you're giving them a structure and a means to do it, but there's still freedom within that structure. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You asked me another question. No, I didn't. I was going to ask you another question. I could talk about writer's workshop for like days upon days though. So well, I don't think I asked you another question. My question I was going to ask secondly is about editing. I never like knew how to handle. I don't want to like scratch through what they wrote and like fix their spelling, but I don't want to like also just leave it. I never knew how to handle that. Okay. So with editing and revising a lot of people, that's scary for a lot of people. Um, First of all, I would recommend um, for conventions, Patterns of Power by Jeff Anderson. I just, that's actually what I did my research on this summer. Um, It's a great way to show you um, how to teach like grammar and conventions, which are also a part of workshop. But when I'm talking about workshop, I'm more talking about like the traits and the modes and the the other parts of writing, like the drafting part. Mm -hmm. The difference, somebody told me this once, and this might be helpful. So Say you have, um, you know, you do reading stations and one of your stations is writing. A lot of teachers are like, well, I have a writing station, so we're good. But in a writing station, this is the difference between having a writing station and having a writer's workshop. In writer's workshop, you are constantly going through the writing process. There are five parts of that process. The teaks are vertically aligned. They're all A through E, all the way up to fifth grade. You plan, draft, revise, edit, sorry, edit, revise, share. A through E, you can look, two point, whatever, A is second grade, and it says plan, and if you go to five point A on your teak, it's planned. So the writing process never changes, ever. It's the same process Elizabeth Gilbert goes through when she is publishing. But... Of course, by that point, you can hire an editor, but they don't need to know that. Maybe they want to be an editor one day, you know? Um, I have actually talked about that to them. But in the workshop, your kids might be in different places. Like Lucy might be drafting and Edgar might be, you like that name? Edgar might be, um, you know, publishing. And then he's he's already ready to go to his second piece, you know? And some kids definitely are going to need more support with this. Your kids that are below level, typically always need more support with editing, but we never want to pick up the pen and do it for them. They absolutely are the ones editing their papers. They're using rubrics, but it's all goes back to the mini lesson. If they're struggling with something, take it and make it a mini lesson. Um, I have had writing plans planned out before for like two weeks. And then I do something with my kids and I'm observing that they need more time. They don't get it or this is an issue, even behavior before I'm like, tomorrow it's my mini lesson. And I push everything a day back because any problem that you see can be fixed in a mini lesson. So that's what I would suggest too, um, with the editing and revising, but they need to know how to edit their own writing. Um, and you know, I honestly get suspicious when I see an elementary kid who has every single word spelled right either A, they're like super high, but it is developmentally appropriate for our kids not to spell every single word right. Mm -hmm. Think about what an end of the year piece looks like for a second, third, fourth grader. Um, 
And yes, they should have their common sight words spelled correctly and they should have certain words. But you know, if my, if your kid's not spelling civilization correctly, like it's, well, first of all, they're probably a fifth grader, but you know what I mean? So just think about that. Like sometimes it's, it's okay that things aren't all spelled correctly is if they went back and changed five things and made them spelled correctly, if, and the rest aren't developmentally, uh, you know, appropriate that they would know how to fix those things, then that's their best edit. So it doesn't have to be perfect, but it does need to be polished. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. You make me want to go teach writing right now. I love it. I love that you love it. Okay. Um, I want to wrap up and I want to talk about something that you and I are both super obsessed with right now. Do you know what that is? Uh, I have a guess. Enneagram. Enneagram. I'm showing her my book right now. So I don't, how did we start talking about it? I I didn't even know you were like, I think I was talking about all my fears and you were like, you're six. six." Okay. So let's give the listeners just like a quick rundown of what the Enneagram is. The Enneagram is a personality test. Um, but it's unlike others in the sense that most personality tests that you take are like, oh, you know, this is you. You're like, yay, that is me. The Enneagram really focuses on how you are when you're healthy and when you're unhealthy. Um, and you can take the quiz, but there's lots of podcasts and whatnot on it. Um, it's a very old, old personality test, too. Um, it goes way, way back. It's kind of just like getting, you know, popular. Yeah. But the thing is, sometimes they say that the quiz doesn't necessarily mean that's your personality type. So it's taken people like a year to figure out their types. So for me, the quiz, I didn't always get the same thing. So it, was, it took me reading the book and listening to podcasts to know what my number was. So there's not any, I think any means nine. Is that right? Oh, I didn't even know that. I think any means nine. If not, I'm sorry, I sound dumb. But there's like nine numbers that basically you fall in, like your personality falls into. Mm-hmm. And, and there's triads in those numbers. Yes. Because. Yeah. Sorry. No, go, go, go. You saying, know the triads better than I do. Well, the triads are, there's, all of the numbers are divided into the three triads. So you function most from your gut, your head, or your heart. So once you figure out where you function from, your gut, your head, or your heart, then it's easier to find your number in the nine. And it's all about the motivation behind the behavior. So it's not just, oh, I do this. It's all about um, giving you tools to just be better. And it's, I don't know, like there's a little bit of shame involved sometimes. Like, oh. When I read mine, I was like, oh, yeah. Well, that was like when we were talking this summer, I think it was at VBS, and I was telling you like I was dealing with all that fear and anxiety, and you were like, are you sure you're not a six? Like mm-hmm. everything that you're saying to me, like lines up with the number I am. So I went and I read, so I'm a number one, which is like the perfectionist. And I went and I read the number six and there were a lot of things that I feel or struggle with or whatever, a lot of the characteristics, but they aren't like my motivation behind them. Isn't as strong as like with the perfectionist, my motivation to always be perfect or appear put together or whatever. So yeah, and I, I see you as a one, two. They do say you're not supposed to project numbers onto people, but... Oh, I know. I'm in my head all the time, like, oh my God, 
Sarah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read like just real quick the, so if somebody's listening and has never heard of this before, there's nine numbers. And you said that, what were the triads, the heart, gut, and head? Yes. Um, hold on. I just had it. Okay. So the anger or gut triad are numbers eight, nine, or one. So one's the perfectionist, me. A nine is the peacemaker. An eight is the challenger. And then the feeling or heart triad is two, which is the helper, three, the performer, four, the romantic. And then the fear or head triad, which is you, five, six, and seven. Um, and number five is the investigator, six, the loyalist, and seven, the enthusiast. So if somebody's listening and hasn't heard of it. Yeah, it's really cool because it um... – it not only helps you do some like self, you know, me and you both love like self-help, yeah. mental health, self-improvement, like doing the work to be a better person uh, and recognizing that, you know, we're not perfect and we have things that we need to work on. But I also think it has helped me understand other people better mm-hmm. and give like a lot more grace when I'm, you know, realizing they say we have all of these parts. Like we have all of those parts, some of those things. It's not like you're just cornered into your yeah. number. Yeah. But that's like your predominant, you know, behavior and motivation or whatever. So I think it's helped me to understand other people better. Um, you know, I wish there was like a personality test for kids or something. Like, you know, to mm-hmm. work with your students. I know. I was thinking about that. Like, how could this be? I mean, this could easily be applied in a school setting from the professional standpoint because mm. then you know. What was that noise? Did you hear that? <laughs> um knowing what your teammates are and what your principal is and like knowing how to work with each other. Cause I know for me, like it's given me a lot of grace for myself Yes, because I am such a perfectionist and I, and I read this and I like understand why sometimes like I feel the way that I feel or I get like once um, have a lot of resentment and anger and bitterness. And like, I feel that a lot and it helps me to be more like objective when I, step back and realize, okay, this is just part of like how my brain works. And now that I know that I can be mindful of it and like change how I'm handling the situation. Yeah. Yeah. My boyfriend's a one. So is he really? Uh-huh. Yeah. It um, makes me so happy I- when I find out other people are ones. Cause like when I first started reading about it and listening to it, I was like really embarrassed. Why does it keep making that noise? Are you hearing that? Uh-uh. Oh, I like keep hearing myself through your thing and I sound like a monster. Oh. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was saying. It, oh, I was like, it. yeah, because it was like kind of like, I felt like being a number one was like the worst number to be because it was the most mm-hmm. like, I don't know how to explain it, but it makes me happy. Like to there is like a, a stigma to it or something. Yes, yes. Because well, I think... I- that I was like oh well, I look like a big scaredy cat with my but I realized most of my fear is um internal fear and most of it has to do with relationships with the worst case scenario things and um so what what I look like as a six may look different as like another six mm-hmm. so like what you are as a one might be different than a one but um I like it because it's just given me a lot of insight into people and myself and 
Um, I listened to Ian Crone's podcast and, um, he, he talks about actually his kids having, he knows their numbers. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. They're a little bit older though. Yeah. Um, okay. I want you to tell us about the podcast that you were talking about last night on the way home from Bible study. Okay. Okay. There's two podcasts I want to talk about. Oh yeah. 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 And you edit whatever you want. Um, okay. So the first one, I've been really interested in just like throwing, I read out of my mind to my students last year in third grade. And it's this book about this girl who is like, uh, she's completely nonverbal. She's in a wheelchair. She can only like really move her hands and stuff. Um, I want to say she had cerebral palsy, but don't quote me on it. It was the most moving book. We all cried. She was a genius. And it was like, she was going out of her mind wanting to verbalize and communicate and do all these things. And she was just like stuck in this body. Um, and she gets this little computer towards the end where she can communicate by typing. So I had a friend whose son was confined to a wheelchair. Um, and even though he was younger, she brought him in and he communicated with his iPad. So she read the last chapter out of my mind to my kids and everybody got to meet Rylan. And, you know, um, it was a really cool experience because I wanted my kids to realize like, this isn't fiction. Like this is real life. People are actually in wheelchairs. People are different than us. Um, and it ended up being that Rylan actually sadly passed away a few months ago. Um, and his mom told me it meant a lot that she came to our class and my kids like made him a card and stuff. Um, so I know that was really special for her and it was also really special for us. So after reading out of my mind, I was like, what, what else do I not understand about? Cause that's the point of reading, right? You're in other perspectives. Well, me and my boyfriend, um, were in Oklahoma and this guy who was like taking care of our car or whatever, he had limb loss and um, well, he actually, like his hands were on his elbows kind of thing. And I was like, you know, nobody's ever really talked to me about what that is. And I watched Bachelorette and Sarah Haran, I think that's her name. Um, you know, she was the girl that only had the one arm and kind of, she started a organization called She Lift, where she interviews women who have um, lost limbs or, um, different things, like some really amazing women she's interviewed. And I love her podcast cause she's all about like babe supporting babes. Um, and she takes women on these outdoor adventures where they, they're, they're able to do things they normally couldn't functionally do. And I've been looking it up and there are not a lot of children's books on limb loss. And there's, so I just think that's interesting, like exposing our kids to stuff because you're going to see somebody in your life who's missing a leg, who's missing an arm and, just being able to emphasize with that and not make jokes or, you know, anyway, so that's kind of something I'm obsessed with. If you're just real into like women empowerment and you want to have a different perspective, um, she lived by Sarah Hahn is really awesome. Now this one <laughs> is just freaking hilarious. I read it in one, I didn't read it. Sorry. I listened to it in one day. So my sister recommended it to me. It's called Sandra. And, um, it's basically like Sandra is the Alexa and it's this idea that, you know, when we say Alexa, like da, 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 like, I mean, we're really, I guess, talking to a computer or a robot that's been programmed to answer us. Mm-hmm. Well, and this podcast is actually, they hire people to be the Sandra. And so there's this room full of like 
people that are different things. So this girl gets hired to be a Sandra and she takes this quiz and they tell her, you're going to be in charge of birds. So anytime somebody asks a question about birds, it went to her. And so it's just kind of this whole like thing that she does behind the scenes of being an Alexa or a Sandra or whatever. And it just made, like, I laughed so hard. It's so different and just like refreshing. I typically listen to interviews on podcasts and this is more like somebody wrote it and they, you know, acted it out or whatever. But I will never think of my Alexa the same again. I always think I'm like talking to an actual human now. Is it kind of like a show type thing, but it's a podcast? Yeah, and they only have one episode out, and they're only like twenty minutes each. So I like one season. Yeah, they only. That's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, they only have one season. Okay, I just want to subscribe to it. I don't know. I don't know if other people think it's as funny as I do, but I thought it was unique. It was refreshing. Yeah, I know because I listen to a lot of deep stuff on podcasts, and sometimes or like business stuff, and I'm like, I need something that's just like, like The Office, but for my ears. Yes. Yes. All right. Will you tell everyone where they can find you? It's okay. So it's, it's pretty easy because it's the same for everything. And I I just want to say, I don't have a lot of stuff on my TPC yet. It's coming. Um, give me a break people. Oh, tell us about your, uh, tell us about your finance thing. Oh, right. Is that what you are your, but your spreadsheet thing? Oh, when you're, um, yeah, about not going, there's another thing for new teachers. Don't go into debt over your class. Like I did, um, shameless plug. I have a finance planner on TBT and it's a total freebie. Um, and it just helps you keep track of your spending and make you more aware of what you're spending and, uh, lets you set your a budget. Cause you, you do need to set a budget for your teaching. Cause if not, it's very easy to spend $200 a month on your teaching. Yes. Um, and yeah, so I kind of had to come to Jesus with myself recently. So I updated that and I'm using it again now, but it's a freebie on my TBT. I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of things. And honestly, that's been the most time consuming part so far is not even the blogging and stuff. The TBT stuff is what takes the longest. I'm a perfectionist about that. So there will be more stuff there, but you can find me on Instagram, schoolhouse social, Facebook, Schoolhouse Social. My TPT store is Schoolhouse Social. My website is schoolhousesocial.com. And my Twitter is Miss Julie Bridges. But honestly, I only do, like, I'm not a big Twitter person. I don't think many people do Twitter anymore. Like, I don't think many of our people. I think it's, like, for really, really smart people. Like, we do it for our district, and that's really, I just retweet people's stuff. I don't know. But it's Schoolhouse Social um, pretty much across the board. And yeah, I mean, I still have a long ways to go and a lot to grow, but, um, I think I have some really good ideas that I'm excited to put out there. So I appreciate anybody following me and coming along for the journey. And you have definitely been my inspiration and in like just going after it. Cause you've been like hustling for two years now. So I appreciate your help and yeah, ask Kelly like five questions a day. <laughs> I like to, I like to help because I like to be able to talk about it with people. Yeah. It's, you've definitely made it a little bit easier on me. So, well, thank you so much for coming on and being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all you shared about writing. And now I want to be back in the classroom teaching writing. Um, I think people will find it really helpful. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. 
Y'all, I hope that you feel encouraged. I do. I always feel encouraged after recording with someone, especially somebody like Julie. And if I was back in the classroom this year, I would be listening to this conversation over and over so that I could get down my writing routine and process because that was really an area of struggle for me. Julie has a passion for her kids and for her career. She's passionate about writing. And y'all, I'm calling it right now. One day, there will be a book out there written by Julie. Y'all go follow her in her guinea pig Humphrey. You'll be encouraged and you will get to see all the fun things that she is going on in her classroom. Also, do me a favor. Come find me on Instagram at the Simply Organized Teacher and tell me what you found most helpful from our conversation. All the links to everything that Julie and I talked about will be on my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Last thing, if you have a minute, will you head over to iTunes to rate and review the podcast? It's super easy and it's how other people find the podcast. Also, don't forget you can find out how to contribute to the podcast and blog while getting additional content for free by heading to patreon.com slash the Simply Organized Teacher. I'll see y'all next week. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. Don't forget to head over to the simplyorganizedteacher.com for all of the show notes, links to things we talked about, and you can sign up for my email list there. Also, be sure to find the Facebook group because I want to be your social media friend. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com. Music